Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. Great to be with you. And as you know, the churches in America have a key role and have had from day one in the greatness of America. The churches have had a key role in praying for America. The churches have a key role in saving America. And tonight I have a message for the churches that I want to share with you. It's actually a message from the midterm elections last time around, 2018. But don't be uh, concerned about the uh, the uh, uh, dating of the message because it's got some timeless truths in it just as relevant to the 2022 elections as they would be at any time. And I want to share that message with you again that I sent out at that time to the churches. And, you know, forgive a, a couple of outdated references in terms of time. It was it was given uh, right, at, um, right before Election Day uh, in 2018. So if you forgive a couple of the outdated references, which you'll notice as soon as you hear them, I think you'll be blessed by the substance of the message, which then in turn, of course, you can share with your pastors. Some of you are pastors uh, and your other uh, pastoral ministers in your particular church. That's my gift to you tonight. Let's begin with the word of God coming from uh, the end of Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, starting with verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let us pray. Jesus, you are with us to the very end of the age. You have been with us in the entire history of America and are no less with us today than you were at the beginning. You are with us that we might make disciples of the nations, and that includes America, and that we might teach them to carry out all that you have commanded And that includes making a difference in elections. Lord, may we elect the right people. May we have the clarity of mind and courage of will to set ourselves to that task and to set our congregations to that task. That we need to elect the right people in order to carry out everything you have commanded us. Lord, bless us as we engage our fellow believers in the great cause of America, and in the great cause of life. We pray to you, old Jesus, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. So now, friends, I share with you this message to the churches. Again, keep in mind it was taped for the previous midterms, uh, but nevertheless, the core of the message must be heard today. I give you this presentation. Well, hello, my brothers and sisters. I'm Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life and Director also, President of the National Pro-Life Religious Council, an interdenominational group 
working within many churches to advance the right to life. It is my privilege to speak to you today a message to the churches. I want to speak in a special way to those of you in the clergy, to those of you who are commissioned and ordained to preach the Word of God from pulpits all across America. A message of encouragement to you as we approach this midterm election. First of all, I want to say how grateful I am to you. You are my brothers and sisters in the ministry. We are all called by the Lord Jesus Christ to proclaim His gospel. And I appreciate your stand. I appreciate your commitment, your giving of yourself, not only to the Lord and to His kingdom, but to the people that He has placed under your care, the people that listen to you as you proclaim His word. I'm grateful for your commitment. I am inspired by your commitment and know that I hold you in my prayers as I hope you hold me in yours. We are indeed at another election in our nation and so much is said and there is so much confusion very often about what our role is as clergy when it comes to the election and I want to lay out a very simple answer to that question today. We proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and therefore no matter what we or our people might think about any of the various issues and there are so many of them that political candidates and parties debate what should be of primary concern to us is how the candidates and the parties answer this question. Who is Lord? After all, isn't that our primary mission? To proclaim that there is only one Lord. That in fact is what unites us across denominational lines. There is one Lord. Jesus Christ is His name. No other name given among the human family exists in whom we can be saved. So the question is, is he Lord or not? Because if he is, well, then that means government is not. If Jesus is Lord, it means a court is not. A governor is not. A congress is not. A king is not. A president is not. Nobody is Lord except the one whose name is Jesus Christ. Is this not the most fundamental political question? Because unless we're saying He's only Lord of our spiritual life, unless we're saying He's only Lord when we're at prayer, He's only Lord when we're conducting our lives within the four walls of the church, unless we're saying that, our proclamation that Jesus is Lord means that He is Lord when we are out in the business world, and He is Lord when we are out in the world of education. He is Lord when we are in the media. He is Lord when we are at leisure and our activities with our families and friends. He is Lord at our place of work. He is Lord in the halls of Congress. He is Lord in the courtrooms. And He is Lord in the voting booth. My brothers and sisters in church leadership, if we are proclaiming above all who is the Savior and who is the Lord, then that applies also to our political life. 
It has to. Otherwise, the message, the truth at the core of the gospel, loses its meaning, and we make the church irrelevant if we are not speaking to the way in which our flock, our congregations, live their lives each day. It seems to me this is the fundamental question, and quickly following upon that is another fundamental question that can shape how we're going to lead our people into this election. And that question is, do we as the church have the freedom to proclaim that Jesus is Lord? So question number one is, who is Lord? Question number two is, do we have the freedom to proclaim that Jesus is Lord? The freedom of the church to be the church. The freedom of the church to function as the church in our society, to proclaim her message without hindrance. To exercise the ministry of service among the people without government intrusion, without somebody from the government saying, you can't teach that, you can't preach that, you can't do that, even though you are inspired by the gospel to preach and to teach and to do what you are doing. Do we have the freedom of the church to advance the kingdom of God? And is government, and are those whom we elect to government positions, respecting and protecting that freedom? We read in Philippians 3.20, We have our citizenship in heaven. It is from there that we eagerly await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we read also in Hebrews 13, 14, Here we have no lasting city. We are seeking one which is to come. You and I are clergy precisely because we're bearing witness to a kingdom which is beyond this world, and we're inviting people to become members of that kingdom, and we're helping them to live as sons and daughters of the king. But we live as sons and daughters of the king in this world. Yes, we have our citizenship in heaven. But meanwhile, we also know, as our Lord proclaimed, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God has come upon you. And so the kingdom of God has broken into this world. It has inserted itself into human history. And so now we are witnesses to that kingdom that transcends all kingdoms, but nevertheless as indeed citizens of nations here on earth. And living as disciples of Jesus Christ does not mean living in caves. It does not mean withdrawing from the world. It means engaging the world. It means going out to the world. It means, as our Lord said before He ascended, Teach them to carry out everything that I have commanded you. It means transforming the world. And that's where we come again to this moment of our national elections. We have a role. The church is here to proclaim the kingdom of God. The church has a religious mission. The church does not have a political mission, but the church does have a political responsibility. The church does not set up political parties, but the church witnesses and speaks to all the political parties. The church does not set up the voting booths, but the church prepares the people of God to go into those voting booths and teaches them that when they walk in there, they do not lose their status as 
disciples of Jesus Christ. The church does not write the laws, but the church bears witness to the laws of God with which those human laws must conform. The church doesn't have a political mission, but the church has a political responsibility. We are to be the voice, we are to be the conscience of the Word of God applied to politics. And when you and I get involved and help our people to get involved in our national elections, some people will complain that the church is becoming too political. My brothers and sisters, the problem is not that the church is becoming too political. The problem is that our politics have become too pagan. We have had a divorce. We have had a separation. We have had an aberration in the life of America when we have seen so many people and even political parties call for a division between our national public life and our life as a church. We're not trying to establish a theocracy. We're not trying to impose a national religion. We're just calling for the freedom of the church, not only to proclaim the kingdom of God, but to be able to live as good citizens of our nation and at the same time good citizens of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We can do both, and we have to insist on the freedom to do both. And yet we see so many movements in our nation going back some 60 years now to the removal of prayer from the public schools and then the removal of Bible reading from the public schools and then national policies that extinguish any notion of God-given rights or the right to life. We see on and on the efforts of government to redefine what God Himself has established, marriage, for example, as being between one man and one woman. Again, we're not trying to create a theocracy, but we are saying, saying that those of us who believe in and preach the Word of God need to live that way, and therefore that means we elect people who have a fundamental respect for what God has indeed put in place. I think, as you do, I'm sure as well, of the passage about the coin where Jesus is asked, shall we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Well, he's asking whose image is on the coin, whose inscription. And if you give to Caesar the coin because it bears his image, then what do you give to God? That which bears his image. Human life, human beings belong to God, we belong to God, Caesar himself belongs to God. Every elected official, every candidate, everyone in public office, every congressman, every judge, every president belongs and is accountable to the King of Heaven. That's what you and I proclaim. That's the role of the church in the elections. I have before me the passage from the first book of Kings Chapter 18, it's very apropos to national elections, actually. Ahab sees Elijah, verse 17, we read, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and followed the Baals. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, and the 450 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. 
And Elijah came near to the people and he said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And then it goes on to say, And the people did not answer him a word. That's sometimes your experience when you proclaim the word of God. The silence of the people was then followed by the contest that the prophet, prophet Elijah set up. As you recall, he asked the prophets of Baal to have their God call down fire. And then he said, I will call on the true God to call down fire. And if, in fact, it was the true God who responded with fire. The point here is, what does this have to do with elections? We see throughout the history of the Old Testament the prophets speaking to the kings. Anyone who thinks religion and politics don't mix obviously hasn't read too much of the Bible. The prophets always challenged the kings. And the kings were responsible under God to lead the people in the ways of the covenant. And some of them did, whereas others, the unfaithful kings, did the opposite. They led the people to break the covenant. They led the people into sin. The same is true today with the new and everlasting covenant in Christ. Our elected officials, the political parties vying for our votes, either adhere to basic prescriptions of the covenant with God or they violate them. Either they lead the people in faithfulness to God or in rebellion against Him. Now, we don't have situations of candidates coming forward and saying, let's go set up a temple to idols. Let's go set up a, a church of false witness. But they are coming around and saying, well, your rights don't come from God. They come from the Supreme Court. You don't have inherent dignity. Your life will be protected if the court says it'll be protected. And therefore, if the court says it's legal to abort babies, well, then it's legal. And we have candidates and we have political parties standing firm for the right to kill babies in the womb. We don't need God to tell us what marriage is. The court will redefine marriage and you have to accept it. And it doesn't have to be between a man and a woman. What I'm saying to you today, brothers and sisters, as the church, do we not have responsibility to bear witness to the kingdom of God? The church doesn't set up a political party, but the church is required to bear witness to all political parties that there is a kingdom, there is a law, there is a standard, there is a covenant, and that it's not up to us to break or to redefine or to abandon or to diminish that covenant. So if we have candidates coming along and saying, I'm for the right to choose. Oh, you can kill those babies. I'm for marriage, whatever way the court defines it, never mind what God says. Well, they might as well be coming to us and say, let's go establish a temple with false worship. They might as well be coming along and saying, I'm going to set up a church to idols, because that's what it is. Idolatry. My brothers and sisters, any of you, all of you in church leadership, any of you, all of you ordained to public ministry, we have one more chance 
one more weekend, one more Lord's Day, when people come together and listen to us proclaim the Word of God. Unless the Word we preach is going to be irrelevant, which is certainly not something you or I want, let's use this weekend to proclaim a clear message to our people that message is not from the platform of the Democrat Party. It's not from the platform of the Republican Party. It is from the platform of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And you and I are faithful to the platform of that kingdom. It says something about life. It says something about marriage. It says something about the freedom of the church. It says something about who is Lord. And this, even though it might sound to people, like we're promoting or opposing one particular candidate or party, let me tell you why it isn't. Because if tomorrow the major parties in our country swapped their positions on any of these issues, what would change about your message and mine? And the answer is not a single word. Because the platform of the kingdom of Jesus Christ does not change. Jesus Christ is the same, the letter to the Hebrews tells us, yesterday, today, and forever. You and I are to bear witness to that kingdom of God, and what that means is that the people sitting in front of us have a responsibility to get out and vote, and we're to call them to that responsibility, and we're to tell them, if you haven't already voted in early voting, be prepared to vote on Tuesday in the general election. Be prepared not only to vote, but to vote in, in an informed way. And there are so many places where people can find the voter guides for the candidates. In fact, I want to offer to you, my brothers and sisters in church leadership, a very simple website at which people can find candidate information, voter guides, all kinds of other helpful tools to participate meaningfully in the election. And that is our election website called ProLifeVote.com. ProLifeVote.com. Very simple. A lot of information there. I invite you to take the time to look at it yourself. There are even sermon outlines there and, and uh, helpful information to use this weekend for your people to inform and to activate them to take part in this election. Not only to take part in it by voting, not only to cast an informed vote, but there's a third part to that equation, and that is to get as many other people to vote as possible. There are so many people that you and I as church leaders cannot reach directly, but the people in our congregation can. And now's our opportunity to say to them, go out and reach them. Use your email list, use your contact list, use your social media platforms, get everybody possible to come together and to stand up in a united way and declare we will in America be free to be the church and to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and to translate that into public policy. Not public policies that tell us which church we have to go to, but public policies that say the government is not Lord over human life, as if we can declare that some people can be thrown in the garbage. The government is not Lord over the institution of marriage, as if we can declare it to be whatever we want it to be. The government is not Lord over our freedom to worship. As you may know, my organization, Priests for Life, 
just went through a, a multi-year lawsuit taking us all the way up to the Supreme Court, defending together with many other groups and churches our right to conduct our business as Christians, who are pro-life Christians who do not want to promote abortion, and yet we were being told under the Obama administration that we had to include abortion in the health care insurance plans that we offered to our employees. And we, from the very first moment, said no. We will obey God rather than men. And this was ultimately resolved at the level of the Supreme Court and at the level of the Trump administration. When the new administration came into office, they took that mandate away. You and I are free to talk about these things. And I want to encourage you to speak and to preach this weekend with all your might. You know, no church has ever lost its tax-exempt status for preaching the Word of God and for calling people to political responsibility. It has not happened. And it's not going to happen. In fact, the chances of it happening now are less than they have ever been. Because our president and his administration has directed in a formal way the federal government, including the IRS, not to punish us for speaking our mind. The president has made this very clear. You'll be able to see the details of this at the website I just mentioned to you, ProLifeVote.com. We can speak our mind. We can speak what the Word of God tells us to speak and apply it to the circumstances of our congregation, and we're all under the same circumstance right now, going into the election, and we can do so freely, as the Word of God commands that we do. For those of you who are Catholic priests, as I am, or deacons, I want to encourage you in particular with these words from the Second Vatican Council, and they apply to all other Christians too. Listen to these beautiful words from Gaudium et Spes, the Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World. Number 76, at all times and in all places, the church should have the true freedom to teach the faith, to proclaim its teaching about society, to carry out its task among men without hindrance, and to pass moral judgment even in matters relating to politics, whenever the fundamental rights of man or the salvation of souls requires it. Also for those of the Catholic faith, although these documents are addressed to all Americans, and in fact to all people around the world, Pope John Paul II issued this document in 1995 called The Gospel of Life, and in it he said, when a government allows the killing of the innocent, such as the children in the womb killed by abortion, he said, that state becomes a tyrant state. That's pretty strong language, and it shows that the right to life is more than just one issue. It's at the heart and core and foundation of every issue. Similar statements were made by the United States Catholic bishops in this document, issued three years later in 1998, called Living the Gospel of Life. And in here, again, they proclaim that there are many issues, there are many rights, but they all hold together like a house. And the foundation of the house is the right to life. Because if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Many people will talk to us and say, oh, but there are many different issues. Well, of course there are. But taking away a child's life by abortion 
That takes away the whole thing. It takes away their education, their health care, their right to vote, their right to immigrate, everything. It all falls together. No foundation, the whole house collapses. You and I are witnesses to this. We're witnesses to the God-given right to life, which also happens to be explicitly proclaimed in our founding documents. Let me offer you two more simple tools for this weekend, the final weekend before our national elections. Inform your people about the positions of the two major political parties in America. This flyer is our party comparison piece. You can find it at the following website, votinginfo.net. Votinginfo.net, you can download this in English and in Spanish. You can link to it from your church website and announce it to your people this weekend. It is a nonpartisan piece. In fact, you'll see a legal letter also at that website, votinginfo.net, which, in which the letter explains why this is legally permissible for churches to use. Because it's neutral in its content. It does not express a preference for one party or another, and it covers a wide range of issues, not just one or two. This is a very helpful tool to help your people understand the positions of the parties, because when you understand the positions of the parties, then you know what the position of the individual candidates connected with those parties is most likely to be, and you also know the implications of a party coming into power, because when we elect a candidate, we're not just electing that person, we're putting their party into power. And one of the issues in this midterm election is which party will control the Congress of the United States. Major question, especially given the stark differences between the positions of the parties. And that's one tool you can find at votinginfo.net. And the other tool I want to ask you to use is the election prayer. We have a national prayer campaign that's been going on for several months now having people pray for our nation in this election. Pray that the voters will be active. Pray that the results of the election will need our, lead our nation in the right direction. And you can find this prayer, again, in English and in Spanish, at electionprayer.com. Electionprayer.com. My brothers and sisters, I again want to express my appreciation and gratitude for your ministry. I hold you in high esteem. I have many friends and colleagues across denominational lines, and it is one of the greatest joys in my life to work together with all of them. I want to ask you to pray with me now this prayer, the election prayer, that I'm inviting you to use also this weekend with your congregation. Again, it's at electionprayer.com. May we pray. O oh God, we acknowledge you today as Lord, not only of individuals, but of nations and governments. We thank you for the privilege of being able to organize ourselves politically and of knowing that political loyalty does not have to mean disloyalty to you. We thank you for your law, which our founding fathers acknowledged and recognized as higher than any human law. We thank you for the opportunity that this election year puts before us to exercise our solemn duty not only to vote, but to influence countless others to vote, and to vote correctly. Lord, we pray that your people may be awakened. Let them realize that while politics is not their salvation, their response to you requires that they be politically active. 
Awaken your people to know that they are not called to be a sect fleeing the world, but rather a community of faith renewing the world. Awaken them that the same hands lifted up to you in prayer are the hands that pull the lever in the voting booth, that the same eyes that read your word are the eyes that read the names on the ballot, and that they do not cease to be Christians when they enter the voting booth. Awaken your people to a commitment to justice, to the sanctity of marriage and the family, to the dignity of each individual human life, and to the truth that human rights begin when human lives begin, and not one moment later. Lord, we rejoice today that we are citizens of your kingdom. May that make us all the more committed to being faithful citizens on earth. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for watching. And I leave you with this final thought. It is no exaggeration to say that the outcome of this election is in our hands, those who are watching and listening right now. The election of the year 2000 for the President of the United States was determined by 527 votes. Many of you have that many people in your congregation or even at a single worship service. We can do it again. It is in our hands. Let's be servants of the kingdom of God by encouraging our people to make a difference, citizens of the United States. God bless you all. Well, friends, I indeed hope that you can share that message with uh, your fellow believers and your congregation and your pastors, too. And we'll be coming out, of course, with additional messaging for the churches for these midterms of 2022. Let's bring all our prayers together now for the churches of America, uh, for the candidates in the elections, and for the citizens, uh, our fellow voters, by offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. A lot more to share with you this week, friends. Spread the word about Praying for America. Join with me on this program and on social media at FR Frank Pavone. And connect with Right Side Broadcasting, of course, at RSB Network. And remember, as President Trump tells us, we are part of the greatest political movement in American history. This country doesn't belong to the radicals who want to destroy it. This country belongs to you. We worship God, not government. And the best days of America are yet to come. Father Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life. God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.